one of the greatest pleasures that for a guy of my age is to see youth on fire for the Lord. And could you imagine what the world would be like if we just followed the first two commandments? And they are, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Imagine, just to, if you could just close your eyes with me for just a moment, just close your eyes, and just think what the world would look like in your mind. Close your eyes. I'm, hey, I'm not the only one closing my eyes. Close your eyes. Imagine what the world would look like if we just followed those two simple or those two commandments. You know, just with your eyes closed, you want to bow your heads for a moment. But just imagine, we wouldn't have to deal with theft, sexually transmitted diseases, abuse. See, most of what causes us to do what we do is our flesh, our desires. And when I get on a Friday night, you can open your eyes now. I just kind of wanted to get you guys settled there. But just think about it this way. You know, I get to come in on a Friday. I've worked with adults and with adults all week that act like chickled children. And then I get to come on a Friday night and I get to see children or young people that act like adults. You know, you guys could be anywhere you want to be tonight. You, many of you guys probably have had a, just as hard a week as I have had. And you could be home watching TV or chilling or, you know, doing whatever you'd want to do. But you chose to be here tonight. And I give you credit for that. It gives me hope. I'm 51 years old. I'm probably double most of your age, more than double. And I see you guys have a fire for Jesus Christ. And it gets me psyched. Because, see, it encourages me. And I remember when I was... Closer to your age, I was in my, tw- on my, well, in my 30s when I was actually 35 when I accepted the Lord. 1995, April 28th, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I'd been married for about 10 years, and uh, my marriage wasn't doing so well. I was not really doing very well uh, as a human being. But you know what? God got a hold of my heart 10,000 feet up in the mountains in June Lake. I had a Cherokee Indian share the Jesus with me, and I got saved, believe it or not. And... Um, you know, it's been a, a neat ride since then. You know, the Bible says that in 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And I really, even though Satan wants to pull up old things that I used to do, stupid habits that I had, things that I have seen, um, everything is, is new. And, um, you know, I started in about 1998, I started ministering. I started serving in the church. I got saved the first year. I really didn't know what to do with it. And I came out of a a religious background that uh, was a lot about, um, you know, doing the same thing every week. It wasn't really about reading your Bible. You didn't open a Bible. You didn't even take a Bible uh, to church. And it was just everything was read for you. You did the same prayers every week. You know, you went up and you, you took communion and you did your thing. But something was different about the religion that I got, that I, that I found, the, the, the Jesus that I found. This, this man was reading to me, and he wept as he read to me. And for the first time, I realized that it wasn't about religion that he was about, but rather it was about 
relationship. See, God's all about your heart. He's all about watching your back. He's all about knowing you as you know him, as you learn. And there's this, there's this thing that happens. So in 1998, I started uh, serving in my church. I, I saw that, you know, I, I, just, I just love the Bible. I love to, to read it. I love to share it. So I started in children's ministry in my church. And um, I found it was just so fulfilling for me, you know, watching little kids and teaching about Jesus and everything like that. And then I went into youth ministry when I came to, to New Jersey in 2003. And um, I, I was an impact, actually, was what I started uh, doing. And I really enjoyed uh, but it was a different season. It was different kids. You guys, you guys know Bible more. Uh, I, I mean, it was different, but it was the same. You know what I'm saying? Just different people, but the same Jesus. And uh, so I'm really blessed to have a second shot. Uh, I had left uh, youth group for a little while, uh, and I went into the school of ministry with uh, some of your, your parents, uh, some of your dads anyway. And um, uh, now I'm, I'm an elder in, in the church, but I, I, like, I like being called a servant because I really am here, and anybody that's here with you tonight, the you know, people that we call as leaders, we're actually servants. And tonight, that's really what I wanted to talk to you about, is about being a servant of God. You know, I, I, would, I would think, and, and I, would all, I would say before I even start, <clears throat> is if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if God hasn't called you out of this world to be his disciple, to be his church, um, then this message... Uh, isn't for you, but as you listen, I hope that it would cause you to think about it could be for you. You see, God wants for no one to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He has you in mind in everything he does, and every person that he puts in your, in your, in your path, and even you being here tonight. Maybe some of you didn't think you'd be here tonight. My friend Kyle Turner, who is the Cherokee Indian that shared Jesus with me, is still a dear friend of mine today, and he lives in Montana now. But, you know, he had courage to, to share with me uh, about Jesus. And tonight I'm going to hopefully share with you and see, let's see what God will do. But God has that love for you, and he's about everything. Kyle said to me, he says, I wasn't supposed to come this weekend. I was supposed to. He was from Huntington Beach. I was from Orange County, which was about six hours away, both of us. And uh, I wasn't supposed to go. Um, but my wife was really, really mad at me. And she said, if you don't go, I'm going. So I went all by myself. And when I got there, I met this Kyle Turner. And um, he said something to me I'd never heard before. He said, I believe this is a divine appointment. And so for one or two or maybe some of you tonight, maybe this is a divine appointment. You were meant to be somewhere else. You found yourself here tonight. So hopefully together we're going to just talk about Jesus and talk what it is to be a servant. And tonight, you know, maybe tonight is your night to realize that I want to be a servant. The word servant, other in a dictionary, can be also coined a phrase as slave. So when I talk about being a servant, it means that I'm not my own anymore. I was called out of this world, and I was called to come and serve or to be God's slave. So whatever I do, I do as if God has called me to do. Therefore, as the Bible says, a servant never finds it to be uh, awkward to finish a day of toil and, and struggle and have the master say to that servant, come serve me and then you can go rest. See, they don't find that to be uh, uh, awkward or, or, or funny. 
you know, or, or, or weird. So tonight we're going to talk about what it means to be a servant. And you know, I've always found great purpose, peace, and pleasure when I get to serve. So when I come here at night, I'm joyful. I leave here and I'm amped because I get to hang out with some really cool people. And we talk about Jesus. And every time I do that, I want you to know that the things that we do here in the spirit are life-giving. So I find great, great joy in being here tonight. And with that being said, um, if you just bow your hearts with me, we're going to pray and then we're going to get started tonight. Father, we thank you so much that you are about your children's and about your family and about your church. And that uh, even while we sleep in slumber, the Bible says that you never sleep or slumber. You're always about your business. You're always making everything work together for that ultimate great plan that you have. Father, I'm so thankful for the truth that your greatest desire is to bring about the greatest possible end by way of the greatest possible mean for the greatest number of people for the greatest amount of time. So as we stand here tonight, Lord, and we interact and we share and and we talk, we ask, Father, that your spirit would bless our hearts, that you would prepare the soil of each of the hearts that are here tonight, that we would expand our minds, and that, Father, you would speak to these children tonight and that you would use me. So, Father, I thank you for the opportunity tonight. I thank you for everyone that is here. Would you bless this time? We pray that it would edify us, but that it would glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So what does it take to be a servant of God? Think about that. What does it take? You know, does it cost? I mean, is, is there a, like, you know, dues to pay or anything like that? Um, as I read in the Bible, I see that it, it, it comes by calling. And there's a couple of examples in the Bible that, uh, that we see when it talks about this calling. And uh, just a second. Okay. Ah, better. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, the Bible says that Jesus met Andrew and Peter on the road. And he said to them, come, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I really, this was like the first verse I memorized because I'm a fisherman, I like to fish, and I thought, hmm, man, I can change from fishing with worms to fishing with the Spirit, and, and I can still draw people uh, to God. Um, secondly, we saw in Acts chapter 9, uh, Paul was on the road to Damascus, and he was met by Jesus on the road, and he too was called. And immediately after that, after he had gone in and God had given him his mission, which was towards the Gentiles, um, it said he immediately went to Arabia, uh, not even stopping to go and consult with the apostles. See, in other words, he was a great example of someone who was called by God and knew that his calling came by God and not by title or not by who he knew or who he spoke to. But God is the one who calls us into service to himself. So if you're here tonight... And, and what I'm saying resonates with you, um, that's, that's probably God really just giving you that, that calling. And whatever it is, you know, you're going to find, well, what is my calling, Mike? You know, what, what is it that I, I, don't, I, you know, I don't know? You know, that's between you and the Lord. For me, I love to make people happy. I love to serve people in any way I can. If it means giving them a cool drink of water, if it means sweeping the floor, if it means that, you know, lifting their arms, um, you know, sitting there while they cry, or whatever it is. If I can do that, um, I'm a happy camper. I just love to do that. And I don't know why. I've always liked to do that. I was the kid who would, you know, get the ice cream. I'd wait for everybody to finish. And i go, here, you want mine? And it's just the way that, you know, God had built me. And so I find my greatest um, 
enjoyment and, and I found my greatest peace when I'm working within that, that gifting, I guess is what you would call that. And that's where God's called me to do is just to bring joy and bring a healthy meal to you guys tonight, hopefully, uh, in the word. So um, Jesus uh, was called a servant. A matter of fact, he was the suffering servant. He was the servant who was to come during the time of the children of Israel. And in Isaiah chapter 42, uh, he called, uh, he spoke for God in giving Jesus that title of a servant. He said, you know, behold my servant in whom I uphold, my, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. And so God giving that mandate that there is one to come. My servant is going to come. And again, you hear that word servant. You know, the word servant is found 517 times in the Bible. That's a lot. It means that it's a good thing. That means that it's, it's meant that, that, that we would consider that. And uh, so with Jesus being that suffering servant, matter of fact, Jesus is probably one of the greatest examples, if not he is the greatest example, uh, you know, no, no holds barred. Um, you know, his obedience, even unto death, is something that, you know, if you're reading your Bible, you can see what it, what it means, the sacrifice, the, 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 the joy, the suffering that, that he did, uh, that he had. You know, um, the, the second thing that we see is that, so we have calling, and then the second thing we have, which is obedience. Jesus was obedient to the Father, and I think that helped him, and that was why Jesus was, was able to be without sin. I think if you look at Jesus, and one of the things that I, as I was preparing for this, that I came to realize is that Jesus lived a pre-fallen life. What do you mean, Mr. Duquesne? Jesus lived as if we had never fallen what Adam and Eve were supposed to live what we were supposed to be like, what we're supposed to be like. And he lived that. That's why he was without sin. Imagine what it would look like if we lived that life. Well, if we look at Jesus, what, 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 what acts did he show or how did he example that he was really before sin entered into the world? Well, his obedience was one. He was so focused on what God would have him do. He never altered the plan. He never clouded it with his own desires or his own ambitions. You know, sometimes, you know, God calls us to do something and we say, but yeah, but it'd look better if I do it this way. You know, the temptation for me is to start being very animated up here and to, to, to make a, you know, big words and have you guys be very impressed with me. But really it's I want the simplicity of the gospel to come. I want God's word to come through. You know, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith once said, we're like leaking vessels. And the, the, the word of God, just like a leaking vessel, we want it to come forth through us in the most purest form as it can. None of us to stick to it. So obedience, Jesus uh, was able to live that life and, and live a sinless life because he was obedient to the Father. Obedient. And second, and the last, thirdly, um, he, he, he made sure that he kept his purity. He's kept his purity. In other words, he stayed away from his worldly appetites. I believe that Jesus was able to accomplish going through this world without sin is because he had given up his right like a slave or a servant 
not to indulge his earthly appetites. I, I mean, we know that he was uh, tempted by Satan when he tempted him in the desert, and he tempted him in all the ways that you and I can be tempted. Pride, flesh, and all of those ways. But he still was without sin. You know, being a servant, the best way to be a servant, the only way that you can serve is if you serve under the, by the overflow of the Spirit. Jesus was able to remain pure and obedient, and he was always walking in the Spirit. Remember what Paul said. Paul said, walk in the Spirit that you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So if we want to have power over sin, we need more of Jesus and less of us. And you've heard that, and I love that, that saying because it makes, makes the most sense. Let's be full of Jesus and let there be less Mike. Let there be less of the appetites. Now, some of you may say, well, yeah, Jesus, Micah, but I've already, I've already gone down that path. I already have the images in my head. I already have the fleshly ambitions. Well, I want you to know that God can cleanse you of that. It goes back to the same thing that Jesus was. It was remembering that you've been called, being obedient to that calling, and remaining pure. So today, today can be the day where you start in that, on that road of being a pure servant, staying away from sin. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, I, I once heard this, this term, and I thought it's, it was pretty good. You know, a, 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 an agriculturist said, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? Does anybody know the best time to plant a tree? Anybody? What's that? 20 years ago, right. Okay, so there's, she's heard it before. So the best time to have planted a tree, thank you, Katie, appreciate that, you did great, 20 years ago. But the second best time is today. So if you are in sin, if you feel like it's keeping you from service to God, then today's the day to plant your tree. Remain pure today. You know, Pastor Chuck, as you know, passed away not too long ago. And um, he was interviewed the next day, uh, or people were interviewed, not him, obviously, he's with the Lord. But um, one of the pastors that was under him years ago and has his own church now named Mike McIntosh, when he was asked about Pastor Chuck, um, one of the things struck me like, like, like a, a bolt of lightning. He said, whenever I am with Pastor Chuck, he makes me seek God. In other words, by his actions, by what, the way that he talks, he always pointed people towards God. And uh, there were stories of, of Pastor Chuck being out picking up cigarette butts, uh, staying late at night to clean, uh, to vacuum. Um, when I think of a servant, one of the greatest examples here on earth besides the Bible was Pastor Chuck. He exemplified what the uh, love of God was and remaining pure and uh, you know, he would, he would say, he said, look, I, I, I've never had a drink. I never wanted to have a drink. Um, you know, can I have one? Yes, but I choose not to. You know, um, he kept his worldly appetites at bay. You know, I'm not saying he wasn't tempted. I'm not saying that, you know, he didn't have, have moments. But at the same time, he kept everything together under the umbrella of being that, that one who walked in the Spirit. You know, there were times he'd teach, you know, a Saturday service and then three services on Sunday, and then he would go to a hospital in L.A. and go visit some 
You know, he was just about God's business. And I think that is one of the crucial things that kept him so, so straight, so, so on that path, was because he was about his father's business. And you can too. You can be about your father's business. It's what you choose to do with your time that's going to say whether or not you're going to be a servant or that you're going to just be a volunteer. You know, the difference between a servant and a volunteer is a servant is a slave, is, is, is a spiritual slave doing all things as unto the Lord, and a volunteer is just someone who wants to do good works. Both have their, their place, but wouldn't you rather be a servant? The principle I'd like for you guys to take from this is that a servant draws people to God. A servant draws people to God. Matthew 5:16 Jesus said, "Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise God in heaven." You believe that? You know, people are watching. People are watching. And uh, you know, we can we can act really holy here, but when you go home, I'm sure mom and dad see can see um, a different picture. You know, one of the things that, you know, I would love uh, to know about you guys is that um, when you guys are home, you guys are servants at home. You know, being a servant doesn't mean it's just in the context of the church. But anything that we do is first done at home. If your mom has to ask you three times to help her or to, to vacuum, or even if it means just keeping your room clean, you know, and, and, and I know you might, you might just go, well, Mr. Duquesne, this is, this is not very, very nice of you to be bringing this up. But really it is. If you're a servant, you're going to do those things at home and not just here for people to see because then you've gotten your reward. And I know it's hard, but you know what? Check this out. And I, I thought this was pretty cool. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he put it on two tablets of stone. The first tablet was our relationship with God. And the second one was our relationship with people. Do you know what the fifth commandment is? Can anybody remember what it is? No, Katie? You got it? Go ahead. The fifth commandment on that first tablet is to honor your mother and father. Now, why would it be put on our relationship with God? See, we honor God when we obey our parents. You follow me? You know, I, just because I'm a parent, I, I just need to, to say this, and then that's it. I'm going to say it very shortly. But it's just like, do you know how much I would be blessed after 60 hours of work on a week and then ministry to, on a weekend while I'm raking leaves to have my son go, you know what, Dad, can I help you? Do you know how that would bless my heart? Or if I didn't have to go upstairs and say, could you please clean your room? It just was taken care of. That's what a servant does. A servant sees a need, and they take it, and they go with it. And... Uh, I bet you your parents would see your light so shine, and you might even draw them towards God if they were wavering in their relationship with him. Just by the way that you act. A servant never looks at his own condition or her own condition, but seeks to please and to serve others. They're always, they're not self-centered, but they're heavenly-minded. Can you turn with me to John chapter 4? In John chapter 4, we see Jesus encounters a woman, a Samaritan woman. 
But I, I want you to see Jesus' submission to the Father as a servant. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And I'm going to read starting in verse 1 because I think this is important. Check this out. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more people than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, Jesus, or he, left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed, notice that word, he needed to go through Samaria. What that tells me is that God called him to go through to Samaria because he, he, in his obedience to God, he was going to get to change someone's life. And notice what happened in John chapter 4 and verse 30. He talks to a woman, and what he says is this. He says, his disciples came to him after talking to her, and they had gone into town, just to kind of give you background, they had gone into town to get food. And Jesus was tired, and he laid at the well, and this woman came. And she was a woman that came during the, the heat of the night. And in that heat, the reason that she came that way is because she was a harlot. In other words, she had known many men, and in that place, then everyone would ostracize her. So she would probably, if she went at the same time all the other ladies went, she'd probably get a stone thrown at her or something. So she would go when everyone was already at home and it was very hot out. But she meets Jesus, someone she never expected to meet, and he actually talks to her. And what winds up happening is in the end, his disciples come to him, surprised that he even spoke to a a woman, because in that day a, a Jewish man wouldn't speak to a woman in public. And he says, come, eat. And Jesus says something very, very uh, unique. He says, I have food that you do not know of. And they supposed that somebody had given him food. But he says this in, in verse 30, and he says, or 34, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was a complete servant. He received strength in serving God. Just like I told you when I first started tonight, when I come here and I leave here, I can't go to bed for a while. I'm, I'm excited. We've had great conversations. We've had fellowship. And anything and everything you do in the spirit is life-giving. Well, what do you mean, Mr. Duquesne? I mean it builds you up. But anything that you do under your own flesh, not only does it have limitation, but it drains you. J. Oswald Saunders, talking about spiritual leadership and servitude, said that anything we do in the flesh has limitations, but anything we do in the spirit, we unlock unlimited resources. So if you want to be a good servant, make sure that you are in the spirit and that you take from those reserves. And know that, even like with that woman, she received the word with gladness, and she went and she told all the people, and they all too, many of them got saved. Jesus' obedience brought blessing for other people. Your obedience in serving other people can bring blessing and change lives. There's a principle that I want you to know and that I'd like to share with you. Service to God must be done in the spirit. Remember that. Service to God must be done in the spirit. You know, as I said before, Jesus had power over temptation because like a slave, he fully submitted his will to the Father's will. And if you remember that, what he said in the garden, not my will, but thy will be done. 
You know, we're tempted uh, to sin because our, of our fleshly desires. You know, we have pride and, and vanity um, and, and, and even other desires and appetites. And Satan uses those desires to stumble us. But know that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God gives us a way of escape always. But I believe that if we keep ourselves in the spirit, in other words, that our desire is to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, then the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, which is a song as well, but it makes so much sense to us. You know, the flesh in service to God accounts for nothing. Remember that. The flesh in service to God counts for nothing. Remember that our, we, we offer our bodies to God, and it's our spiritual act of worship. In Romans 12:1, what does it say? It says that, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. This is holy and pleasing to God, and this is your spiritual act of worship. You know, uh, I, I'm going to ch- you know, switch gears just slightly. But I call this, I was kind of sitting and I was contemplating, when did we lose our relationship with God? Well, it was in the garden. And we see that in that place there was the fall of man and there was the birth of self. In Genesis chapter 2, as I said, Jesus acted in our world today as if he was before, and he was, but as if he was not bound by the same flaws as you and me. And in Genesis chapter 2, if you remember the story, um, Adam had finished naming all of the animals, all of the birds, all of the fish, everything it was, and God said for the first time that something wasn't good, that man would be alone, that man would be alone. And so he made him a helper. He put him to sleep, and he put a ri- took one of his ribs, and he made Eve, breathed in her nostrils. She became alive, and he brought her to Adam. And the two were so enamored, so in love with each other that the Bible says that they were naked but were not ashamed. I wouldn't want you to walk outside, you know, naked and, and not be ashamed, but, but there's, a, there's an idea there that I want you to try to, to think about today. The less that we think of our own condition, and yet we're more about each other, you're going to find that servitude will be a natural overflow from the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Uh, I once heard John Piper say, we are most used of God when we were most satisfied in him. If you want here tonight and you want to be used of God, be satisfied in him. In other words, 